In this episode, the band goes camping and records an album that makes one critic very grumpy. Who walks in when I walk out? Who gives you that hidey high? Baby, who's that who I'm talking about? You're listening to episode seven of the podcast, Who Walks In? The Story of the New Harlem Jazz Band. My name's Bill Morris. Early in 1983, Reed's player Pat Miller joined the band, replacing trombonist Chris Lodewick. I didn't come from an overtly musical family. I'm the only one of my siblings to take any interest in instrumental music. But my older brother, Keith, was very interested in jazz music. He belonged to the World Record Club and he used to buy jazz records and I used to listen to those but I did learn for three months the recorder and my dad bought me one for my birthday and I used to play that by ear and I used to look at clarinets in music shop windows and think I think I could play one of those so I bugged my dad for ages and ages um, and it must have stuck in his mind sometime because he saw an ad for Lou Tapano's music schools and he bought a clarinet for 19 guineas, um, which came with 10 lessons. He said to me, I'm very reluctant to do this because I know you, you'll give up after three months. And I said, no, I won't, Dad, I promise I won't. After three months, I did want to give it up because I was so bloody hard. Um, I wasn't a natural. We've already heard from Sandro how he and Pat met and started the Northside Jazz Band. Pat recalls going to the 1966 Jazz Convention, held in Melbourne at the Kew Civic Centre. I played in the street parade at that 1966 convention, and I do remember sounding really, really horrible, because they kept saying, we're going to play the streets, walk through the streets of the city in F. So I'd be playing it in F, what I thought was F, (laughs) and of course it was E-flat. And I just, I never had any idea that there was a difference between concert and uh, instrument notes and that in jazz we speak in the concert uh, terms. Pat joined the army, but when he returned to Melbourne, he hooked up with Sandra again in the Alexandria Quartet. He went on to play in a number of bands, including the Yarra Yarra Jazz Band, and he was a member of Dave Rankin's Rankin Band. Like Sandro... Pat's first association with New Harlem was when he and Sandro sat in with the band at the old Melbourne Motor Inn in 1974. Pat filled in for Bob Gilbert a number of times, including at the Meyer Music Bowl in 1981. As well as being a long-time friend of Sandro, he was well known to the rest of the band and was familiar with the New Harlem repertoire. Sandro and Judy Jarks had set up the Wild Dog Hill Recording Studios at St Andrews. It was decided to spend a few days over Easter in 1983, rehearsing old material and learning some new songs, perhaps with a new recording in mind. A productive and very enjoyable time was had by all, and ever since, the band members present have remembered it as the Easter Music Camp. I remember the aim as mostly trying to look for new repertoire and trying to... It was the time when Patrick was in the band, so we had the two saxophones, Patrick and Bob, and and we were looking for a new, a, a different sort of approach, a different sound. That's when we did the Buddy Holly, um, Raining in My Heart, that um, Charlie Farley sang, and um, we did the Louis Armstrong younger generation, which is a, such a crazy song. Take two. Take two. 
generation What is it coming to With rock and roll upon my soul They do the mumba to Atlantic Ocean Perpetual motion What is this younger generation coming to Well, this younger generation Where is it gonna stop? They wave their hair straight in the air And flatten it on the top Well, gosh almighty What makes them flighty? Where is this younger generation gonna stop? What they call a ball Isn't really a ball at all Charming The kids in their teens Wearing sneakers and jeans So snug and tight Why it's alarming This younger generation Why is it coming to They sing and dance And find romance Like I could never do Now wouldn't it be fun if we could be one of this great big generation Armstrong's Younger Generation. Later in the year, it was recorded again for the band's next record release. I remember Neil mounting over the fact that Judy was making fresh butter from the cow that she just milked from Alice Cow. <laughs> He's going, wow, as much as Neil ever did that. And Judy didn't just provide food. Thank you. 
make it nice and easy It's gonna be so easy For us to fall in love Hey baby, hey baby What's your hurry? It's far too late to worry We're gonna fall in love We're on a road to romance That's safe to say So let's make all the stops along the way The problem now, of course, is To simply hold your horses Judy taking it nice and easy with a Frank Sinatra-inspired arrangement of Nice and Easy. New Harland was still playing Friday and Saturday nights at Athol's Abbey, but the management at the Casa Manana changed and it became a division of Financial Controls Proprietary Limited. The band was informed by letter that there would be some changes. One was that the band would no longer be supplied with free meals. English teacher Neil Orchard took to the letter with his red pen and gave it four out of ten. A detailed formal contract followed and the band signed on to play later on Friday nights, starting at 9.30pm and finishing at 1am. Judy Jarks was included in the contract to sing every Friday. The band's fee on Fridays was $400, which wasn't too bad, It's the equivalent of about $1,350 at today's prices. Clause 7 stated that the company shall agree to maintain the restaurant's service, quality and ambience at such a level as not to detract from the band's good professional name. Judy Jarks recalls that time. I joined the band. I thought it was a great band and, and really tight and, you know, we'd go through various stages and obviously I was happy to to um, go back to doing some tighter songs and arrangements because I'd been um, totally involved in in free stuff and out there, very out there, um, improvisation. And um, so I think at the time I was aware that I needed to earn a bit of money and I needed to just get back to uh, singing some good songs with a good band. But really... I just remember it being with a group of lovely blokes and Sandra and I started, yeah, we were together then and... Who walks in when I walk out? Who's that gives you that hobby? Who's that who's got me jealous of you? I said who walks in when I walk out? Don't you know you're my baby? Got me worried too When we kiss I kind of miss Something that used to be Every day while I'm away I get a feeling that you're fooling me In the age on June the 3rd, Adrian Jackson wrote about Fridays with New Harlem at the Abbey. Sandro Donati says, We're trying to broaden our scope a little. We still play the classic jazz material, 
but we're playing more 1940s and 50s rhythm and blues songs. Louis Jordan or Louis Prima stuff. The whole object is to put on a good show and make it entertaining. Adrian concluded, the new Harlem jazz band certainly gets the joint jumping at the Abbey. A bonus on Friday nights is the superb jazz and blues singing of Mrs Donati, better known as Judy Jarks. The band was asked to appear on the popular children's television show, Shirl's Neighbourhood, hosted by Graham Shirley Strawn, former lead singer of Skyhooks. 900 episodes of the series went to air between 1979 and 1983. Five tracks were recorded at the Channel 7 studios. Shirley Strawn wasn't present, but his co-host, Liz Rule, some of the puppets and lots of bubbles did appear in the clips, which were included in episodes shown later during 1983. A song about a drunken sailor seemed a perfect choice for a children's TV show. This is the Shell's Neighbourhood version of Barnacle Bill, which was also recorded for New Harlem's Live Before a Recorded Audience album. not appear to be the most suitable song for a children's show either, but with puppets and bubbles, it seemed to go okay. This is a story of an old man who used to live on top of a mountain. His name was Old Man Mole.
lived an old man He had a crooked nose He lived in an old log house And they called him Old Man Mose Well, early one morning I rapped upon his door Didn't hear a single sound And never gonna do that no more Oh, I believe Old Man I said I believe Old Man I, I believe Old Man That Old Man Mose is dead Yes, I believe was one song in the band's repertoire that cried out to be used for this children's show. Everyone says, how do you do, down on Jollity Farm. 
Jollity Farm, with Richard Opat on vocal and washboard. The band had previously included the song on the Mooch According to Joe album, released in 1976. In August 1983, the band spent four days in York Street Studios, working on a new album. Who Walks In was one of the tunes recorded. It had been in New Harlem's repertoire almost since the band's inception and appeared on their first album. This version was one of the tunes worked on at the Easter Music Camp earlier in the year. was called Drop Me Off in Carlton, a nod to the influence of Duke Ellington on the band. Ellington's Drop Me Off in Harlem was a regular inclusion in the band's set list, although there were no Ellington tunes on this album. The cover was designed by Stan Nikolich, who also designed a new logo for the band. Pat recalls the recording sessions. The recording of the album Drop Me Off in Carlton was my first proper recording session so I was on my toes and I enjoyed the whole thing I'd never done much recording previous to that um, and I loved it but also I, um, I remember that we couldn't keep in time with um, Lonely at the Top and so we recorded it to a now um, inaudible click track which has given it the, the most interesting um, hesitation which if you actually tried to do it on stage exactly like on the recording 
it would it'd be really something. singing Randy Newman's Lonely at the Top. Pat also remembers the recording of the song written and sung by him. Not so bad, the South African cricket tune. I I tried to explain how I wanted the steel drums to sound to Neil Orchard, but he was just overcomplicating it so much that I grabbed the synthesizer and played it myself. So the steel drums... One of my my only ever recorded steel drum solo. Oh, 
album's last track, I Ain't Drunk, became the tune New Harlem finished the night with on most gigs. We first heard the song on a great album by Jeff Maldar. Jeff, along with his sister Maria, had been a member of the legendary Jim Queskin Jug Band back in the 60s. But the song was originally written and recorded by Jimmy Liggins in 1954. Drunk, I'm just drinking. Set him up, 
Once the album was recorded and mixed, a number of record companies were approached to see if they were interested in releasing it. There was a polite no from all but one company, with various excuses, mostly along the lines of already having enough albums to sell and promote. The band had spent quite a sum on recording costs, so was anxious to recoup that money. Australian record company Larrikin Records offered the band a five-year deal in which they would press, promote and distribute the record. Royalties on sales would be paid to the band, but not on the first 500 copies, which the band had to purchase at wholesale price. Whilst this meant a further outlay for the band, the hope was that sales would at least cover the money spent. The album was released the following year, with a successful launch at Trotter's Cafe in Carlton. I think that that album was a good album, but it didn't do as well commercially as it should have because I think that we misread our audience, but we certainly had a a lot of fun making it. I'm not saying that it was avant-garde or anything like that, but um, we did throw in a a variety of styles that we were all interested in from different points of view. I can't help but recall the Bob Hudson quote. In reviewing the album, he said, New Harlem used to be on the fun side of jazz. Now they're on the boring side of eclectic. In his review in the National Times, Bob Hudson went on to say that the album best be seen as a learning experience, which is new speak for a failure with redeeming features. Adrian Jackson was much kinder in the age. He wrote that the album features several hard-to-resist examples of the sort of 1940s jump band R&B numbers that are the group's forte. It also features an amusing reggae number about West Indian cricketers in South Africa and a couple of tongue-in-cheek ballads. The band managed to move most of their 500 albums but royalties from Larrikin were not huge, so it was not a big financial success. In July 1990, at the end of the five-year agreement, New Harlem received a royalty statement for the previous year, totalling $1.49. The accompanying letter stated that, As much as we would like to pay you, I'm afraid that you owe us $4.18. A cheque for the balance would be greatly appreciated. This was the result of three records being returned from a retail store. During 1984, the New Harlem's long run at Athol's Abbey came to an end. There were plans to demolish the building, although the venue did keep operating for a time. The band was playing at the Limerick Hotel, and by the end of the year, they were playing at the Tank of Alarms on Thursday nights and Shea Jazz on Saturdays. On November the 10th, At 7.10pm, New Harlem played at the Ligon Street Festa on the hot-hit 3XY stage. A big crowd gave the band a warm reception on what was a very hot Saturday evening. The band took advantage of the big PA system, playing a selection of their newer tunes, such as Louis Jordan's School Days. I remember it being incredibly hot and we were playing on the big stage and I think it was a really good response. I think the crowd was pretty pretty happy with us.
June 1985, the band started playing Fridays at the Carlton Club Hotel and found a new home on Saturdays in Windsor at the Railway Hotel. During 1985, Chris Farley took another break from the band. Rod Evans came on board playing banjo and guitar. In December, New Harlem played at the 40th Australian Jazz Convention held in Ballarat. Chris Somerville was playing piano with the band at this time. Thank you very much. I'd like to start off uh, our segment in, in this particular concert with a Duke Ellington composition entitled... Drop me off in Harlem. Thank you. 
Judy Jacks joined the band for a Louis Prima and Keely Smith classic from the 50s. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, kindly put your hands together for the fabulous Judy Jacks. And a song that we uh, pinched. Has me in a spell. That old black magic that you weave so well. I see fingers up and down my spine. The same old witchcraft when your eyes meet mine. Same old tingle that I feel inside. That only your kiss put out the fire. For you're the lover I have waited for. By 1986, the band was playing every Friday and Saturday at the Railway Hotel in Windsor. It was a much more relaxed affair than at Athol's Abbey, in a smaller room. The publican treated the band well, and like the Abbey, it was a mixed audience, not all jazz buffs. As had always been the case, the band had a go at any tune that took its fancy. At the Railway, on May the 10th, they played as a six-piece, without Bob Gilbert, Neil back on piano and Rod Evans on guitar. This is their version of a tune by Elvin Bishop, who had been an original member of the Paul Butterfield Blues Band. We're going to do a song now that's entitled Stealing Watermelons. Fun, I do it all the time. 
the band was sorry to say goodbye to Rod Evans, who was relocating to Western Australia. He had made a great contribution on banjo and guitar. But once again, Chris Farley was ready to rejoin. You've been listening to Episode 7 of Who Walks In? The story of the new Harlem jazz band. In the next episode, after celebrating their 20th birthday, the band faces a big decision about the next 20 years. Who gives you that hearty high, baby? Who's that who I'm talking about? You can learn more about the band and contact us at whowalksin.com. Look forward to hearing from you. This has been a Wasting Time production. Thank you.